What's up, Hawks fans? Welcome to another episode of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. My name is Luke. Joining me once again is Abe. How you doing, Abe? Not too bad. Good. How are you? Good, good. Um, all right, so I think uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get right into this. And, um, uh, you know, we've been off for a couple of weeks here, and there's been some, uh, some big stories breaking here. Uh, so let's talk about the, the number one story that's on the mind of Chicago sports fans right now. Abe, is Bryce Harper going to the White Sox? <laughs> <laughs> That's a real possibility. I would like to see it. I'd prefer Machado. Yeah. Unrealistically, both. <laughs> I don't know if I see it. I don't know if I see it. Um, but you also know a lot more a lot more about baseball than I do. Um, uh, but on a serious note, um, uh, we're coming to you in the post Quinville era. Um, uh, Tuesday morning, uh, Joel Quinville was relieved of his duties by the Chicago Blackhawks. Our new coach is former coach of the Rockford Icehogs, Jeremy Colleton. Um, we're recording this on Saturday, November 10th, right after the Hawks lost their seventh straight game, uh, four nothing by, uh, to the, um, Flyers. the Philadelphia Flyers. <clears throat> uh, so the Hawks are in a, a bit of a free fall right now. Um, I guess it remains to be seen if this coaching change is going to yield positive results right away. But um, uh, uh, long term, we'll see. Um, before we get into that, though, let's actually... Uh, I've got a couple of news items I want to go through. Um, and then we'll get into the, uh, the discussion portion of the show. Uh, so, uh, first off, uh, this is from a couple of weeks ago, actually. Uh, Forsberg cleared waivers. Um, we were discussing this on the last episode, actually. We didn't know what was going to happen to uh, Anton Forsberg, if he was going to get traded, if he was going to get claimed off of waivers. Um, but uh, now it looks like we know Forsberg has been... Uh, he's cleared waivers. He's sent down to Rockford. He's now, um, uh, he's now uh, doing a, a tandem starter... Thing with uh, Delia, I think uh, Kevin Lankinen has been assigned to the Indy Fuel. Um, uh, Gary Bettman has announced that uh, there will be a sports betting partnership with MGM Sports. Um, so this, I'm actually really interested in this because. I think that you, we're, we're maybe going to see some situations where, uh, uh, and I think this would be really cool, if we had like, like a sports betting app on our phone, and uh, say you're, you're watching the game or you're at the game, and it's like uh, uh, the over-under that the game goes into overtime is, you know, it's halfway through the third period, your team's down by one, uh, over-under over that the game goes into overtime, and then you can make a bet right there, push the button. Or it goes to overtime, and it's like, uh, like who wins uh, in overtime? Who, uh, does it go to a shootout? Things like that. Um, that could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, what Adam has something similar, has an app where he does his like, little gamblings and stuff, with like just random like who's going to score, what the score's going to be, win-loss, stuff like that. I've noticed him doing it. I haven't seen him doing it for a while, but it'd be cool like something real, real-time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the 
I mean, I now that sports betting is you know legal, it's uh, outside of what New Jersey. Um, <clears throat> it's you know any any uh, gambling uh, like sports betting uh, company like like DraftKings is going to do that for sure. Um, but the what makes this specific deal with MGM Sports special is the fact that. MGM Sports is going to have access to real-time proprietary NHL stats. Uh, so, like, they'll know real-time, like, uh, halfway through the third period what the shots on goal are um, for each team. So, uh, maybe in a year or two, look for something interesting there. Uh, uh, one of my bullet points here is that the Hawks' five-game losing streak, but it's now seven. Uh, so after the Hawks got off to that hot, uh, 6-2-2 and start, they've, they've cooled off quite a bit. They're basically in free fall right now. Um, they've dropped seven straight games. They're sitting at seventh in the central division with 15 points. Uh, they've gotten one point out of a possible, uh, 14 in their last seven games. It's bad. You know, what, it's so what have we bad. what have we learned about this team? <clears throat> they suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, and that's our episode for today. Um, no, but to go a little further into it, it's really the defense. I mean, that's really all you can say. Just, I think it's just a combination of the lack of experience for the younger guys and the fact that Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook are pretty old for NHL defensemen mm-hmm. that shouldn't technically not no longer be number one defensemen, maybe second at worst third D pairings. Mm-hmm. But like the offense, it's gonna get it their chances like they have been. But I don't know, it's just it's tough. Yeah. Um <clears throat> so I was actually uh the Athletic was doing a like a live subscriber Q and A the other day, and uh, the question that I asked, and I got a really good answer from uh, both uh, Scott Powers and Mark Lazarus. The question that I asked was, um, and this was this is a week or so ago. This was maybe like two or three games into this losing streak before it you know really started to look like a losing streak. Um, <clears throat> my question was, uh, on paper, this team almost looks like a contender. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, they can score, uh, you know, Patrick Kane is off to a hot start. Jonathan Taves look, looks like Jonathan Taves again. Alex Dabrinkit is, uh, he's, he's scoring like he was last season, but he seems to have found more consistency. Like he looks like an actual star right now. Um, they're even like, they're putting his face on like, uh, like the, 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 the elevator fat heads at the Blackhawks convention, stuff like that. Uh, they're, he's all over the marketing materials. He's clearly, uh, he's clearly a part, a big part of this team's future. Um, so they've got the scoring. They have, uh, they've got Crawford back. He's playing well. Cam Ward is a, uh, a great backup, uh, maybe a little overpaid, but he's, he, he's performing in that backup role really well. Um, uh, we've got, uh, Duncan Keith who is still our number one defenseman. We've got Yoki Haru, who has stepped up, and he's playing that number two role pretty well, uh, save for a couple of, you know, rookie mistakes here and there. Bear in mind, he's only 19. Uh, we've got Eric Gustafson, who really, like, 
genuinely looks like a top four NHL player now when he's not, you know, doing his whole like awful turnover routine. <laughs> but between the awful turnovers, he looks like a top four defenseman. Uh, uh, Connor Murphy is going to come back in the next month or so uh, from his back surgery. Uh, he's actually been like stick handling at practice and stuff like that. So, whoa. So that's that's four top four guys, and they're scoring, and there's, you know, we've got the the goaltending, but we're not, we're not winning games, and when we win, they're like you know they're in overtime or they're by one goal, and uh, uh, sometimes like, like we've lost a lot of leads and we've had to make up for a lot of deficits and. Uh, like there was the game against Tampa where the Hawks gave up 33 shots in one period. So that was my question. Like the, the Hawks on paper almost seemed like a contender, but there's no way that they passed the eye test. And the response that they gave me was basically we need like, we need more consistent uh, defense. Uh, like for, for one thing, like those top four guys are like, it's like a one and then like, three fours it's not like uh it's not like a one two three four you know um and then uh what we another thing we really need is we need depth scoring uh because uh, at this point um uh, about half of our goals so far have come from Taves, Debrinket, and Kane uh I don't think anyone below those two has more than like two goals. I'd have to double check on that, but everyone else on the team has like zero, one, or two goals. Um, and then the last thing is special teams. Uh, we're near the bottom of the barrel in both terms of uh, in terms of both the power play and the penalty kill. So those are some things that need to be addressed. I think that maybe there's a, a good chance that Collison could help us address the special teams issue. Even if we could get really good at one of those things. If we could be, uh, you know, if we could be up there like like 30% on the power play, then that could win us some more games. If we oh, could be... 30% is unheard of nowadays. Uh, well, the Capitals are 36 right now. Really? Yeah. Uh, actually, they, they've had a historically lethal power play over the last, like, 10 years. Um, their average over the last, maybe they'll regress a little bit, but if we were like in, if we were like around 25, like the 20 to 25 range, we could be pretty lethal. Mm -hmm. I think we don't need to be the Washington Capitals. Uh, yeah, even 36%. That's yeah. unheard of. Yeah. There's actually a, a great article, I think by, uh, Chris Cook in the, uh, the athletic, uh, from a couple of weeks ago about what makes the Washington Capitals power play so lethal. Um, and I highly recommend that anyone who's an athletic subscriber goes and reads it. It's a fantastic read. That's really informative. Um, but over the last 10 years, the, the Capitals have an average power play percentage of like 22%, uh, which is the best in the league. And of course, this season, they are like uh, uniquely uh, the best in the league uh, so far through the first what, like 20 games or whatever we're at right now. Um, All right, so I looked up the, um, the scoring leaders for the Hawks, goals-wise. Mm -hmm. So you got Kane, Dabrinkit, and Taze at the top, and then Saad with four. Everyone else has two or fewer. Yeah. Um, That's so, bad. 
Yeah, we really need that depth scoring. Remember in 2015, that third line was uh, uh, Vermette, Teravainen, and um, I can't remember the other guy. There was a lot of goals scored from that third line, though. Oh, Sharpie. Vermette, Sharp, and Teravainen. That was our third line in 2015. No wonder we won the cup. Um, okay, so this is uh, let's 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 take a, a step back into the Q era very briefly here. Um, in the game against Calgary, uh, Duncan Keith was ejected a little over two minutes into the game. Um, he got a, uh, a a boarding major and a game misconduct, and uh, he he left the game and he never came back. Um, uh, we lost that one, needless to say. But uh, the thing that really sticks out to me is that Q made a really bad mistake. Um, so the rule in the NHL is that uh, when a penalty ends, uh, when a when a penalty ends. Uh, you can add guys, you can add that, that fifth guy back in, but he has to come from the penalty box. He cannot come from the bench unless there's a stoppage of play. So uh, Q failed to put a guy in the box. You know, uh, Keith got ejected, so he didn't go in the box. Uh, what Q should have done is put another guy in the box to come back out uh, when the penalty was over, but he didn't do that. So as a result of that, the Hawks ended up killing an extra minute and 47 seconds of that penalty. And it went on like that until Taves realized what was happening and he shot a puck up into the netting to stop play. Uh, it was obviously really bad because what should have been a five-minute major ended up being six minutes and 47 seconds. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, we're lucky that we only gave up one goal on that. Uh, so that was a really bad mistake. I, I almost wonder if... I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about uh, Q getting sacked in a couple minutes here. Um, uh, I've got the, uh, the Tribune's conversation with John McDonough on here, but I don't actually remember any of that. Uh, and I'm not going to look it up while we're recording, so we'll just skip that for now. But uh, go go and read that. It's a, a, a great read. Um, they had some uh, some really informative conversation with uh, John McDonough. Uh, this was pre-Q uh, getting fired, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. So it, there might be some, uh, some perspective there that's uh, now irrelevant. Um, the, uh, let's see, EA Sports released the uh, NHL 19 Digital 6 jerseys. Um, what did you think of these, Ed? Um, With the exception of the Blackhawks one, because I had to pull it up, they, the Blackhawks one just looks disgusting. <laughs> like, w why? Uh, but I will say my favorite <clears throat> is the Red Wings one. Just plain and simple. Yeah, so anyone listening, uh, I definitely encourage you to go look these up so you can see for yourself. But I'll kind of describe them to you real briefly. Uh, the Red Wings one looks a lot like the, uh, 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 what are the outdoor jerseys that they had a couple of years ago? It's like uh, like white with a big red stripe and then the, the winged wheel logo on it. It looks, uh, it looks pretty sharp. The, the Bruins is all black except for um, uh, 
several thin yellow stripes on the uh, uh, over the the torso with the like the B in the middle. The uh, maple leaves. The maple leaves one is interesting. It's all white, and then it's got a giant just, just just like basic blue uh, maple leaf on it. It doesn't have. It's not the regular Toronto logo. Um, uh, the Rangers one. It's uh, it's almost like if you zoomed in on their uh, like the shield logo, like to the point where the shield was no longer visible. It's just like white and red with the diagonal across the chest, and it says New York on it. Uh, the Hawks one. It looks a lot like the twenty fourteen Stadium Series jersey, except that the um, the lines they're not uh, they're not red and white. They're uh, they're all the colors from the Indian head logo, the, uh, the yellow, the black, Ooh. the red, green, and blue. Uh, and they're, yeah, and they're about in the same proportions as they appear on the logo. Um, uh, and then, uh, finally you've got Montreal. It's just, uh, uh, it's white with like a, um, a blue and a blue, red, and white stripe with MTL through the center. It's uh, it actually, if it were um, if the stripes were vertical instead of horizontal, it would look kind of like the French flag. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, so yeah, I kind of, I kind of agree with Abe on this one. I'm not a big fan of the Blackhawks one. I think it's maybe a little too much color. It's very striking. Uh, maybe maybe some people would like it. I'm also not a big fan of Boston's. Yeah, that's the other one that I'm like, eh. Yeah, but the rest of them look pretty sharp. Uh, and I lost my list. There it is. Uh, the Winter Classic jerseys. Okay, so um, Boston and uh, Chicago have uh, released their Winter Classic jersey designs. And uh, I'm actually a big fan of both of them. <clears throat> so... Boston's is, uh, again, you should go look these up for yourself so you can see them. Boston's is, uh, it's got like a, like a plain white background with, um, black and yellow stripes on the sleeves. I actually think that's brown and not black. It looks brown. Is it? I think it's brown. It's kind of hard to tell, but it looks brown to me. Uh, If it is, it's like a real dark brown. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah. Um... Uh, and then you got the Blackhawks one. It's, it's actually very, uh, very similar to the 1928 jerseys, I think. Uh, that would, uh, it had the, like the core, like the solid black and then like the, the white stripes. Uh, the logo, it looks, um, it's got the, like the circular logo. Uh, it's all black and white. It says uh, Chicago Blackhawks around the periphery, and then on the inside, it's got the Indian head, all in black and white. But it's like the modern Indian head. It's not the older Indian head. And then they both have the uh, the green winter patch, uh, winter classic patch on the shoulder, uh, the the clover. And then the inside of Boston's, <clears throat> like inside the neck, it has six shamrocks for all their cups and then the Blackhawks also in the neck have like are those the cups? I think it is oh maybe it is 29, 39, 41, 70, 72 and 11 
Yeah, that would make sense because they won in they won the cup in twenty eleven, and then I imagine they I I don't remember the other years they won the cup, but that makes sense. Then the Hawks Um, on a diagonal inside the neck have the same thing. Yeah, they've got the years from their cup runs. Yep. Uh, By the way, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but those white diagonal lines—they're a reference to the end zone at the Notre Dame football field. Oh. Yeah, because uh, if you look up like in Google Images, you'll see that the uh, uh, the Notre Dame football end zone, or maybe you're a Notre Dame fan, you see this every uh, every weekend. I don't know. Uh, you'll you'll see that there's uh, the white diagonal lines in the end zone. So they they kind of uh, made a reference to that. It's really cool. Although, who was it that posted on your li- or that commented on your link about the Hawks jerseys? Was it Gabby pointing out that the Indian head is not centered to the. <laughs> Is it not centered? No, it's not. The feather is touching the inner circle. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, God damn it! That's gonna that's gonna bother me now. I guess yeah, you can't. You can't unsee that. Guess I'm canceling my order now. That's oh. I wish you hadn't mentioned that. Damn it! Spoiler alert. That's. All right. Well, we should just cancel this season. I think. Um, and then the last news item I have, the LA Kings, uh, this is not related to the Hawks, but it could maybe be, uh, uh, so the LA Kings announced the end of their 297 game sellout streak recently. Uh, this is kind of significant because the LA Kings are in a similar situation to the Hawks where they were, you know, once dominant uh, a couple of years ago. They're now kind of uh, weighed down with these big albatross contracts for these old players who um are no longer you know they're they're past their prime uh i don't know that the blackhawks would necessarily announce an end to their roughly 450 game sellout streak but um jeremy Colton's first game at the united center against carolina uh there were some people conjecturing on twitter that um this could actually, uh, it, it didn't look like a full house. They, the announced, um, the announced attendance was like 21,000 and change, which is pretty much a full house, but it, they, they're saying that it didn't look like there are that many people there. Like people like, uh, Mark Lazarus and, uh, I think, uh, John Dietz or someone, I, for, I forget, but <clears throat> it, it apparently was, uh, looking a little empty in there. Yeah, I think they go about based on how many tickets they sold versus what how many people actually showed up to the game when they announced their attendance is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which, it, at the same time, would be like, why would you pay for tickets and not bother going? Like, you're just throwing money away at that point. Yeah, I'm not sure. I wonder if, um, I wonder if like, like SeatGeek or StubHub buys tickets and they don't sell their tickets and uh, the Hawks count those toward the ticket sales. Because it's pretty clear, I think it's pretty obvious that they don't count the number of people through the turnstiles. Right. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, after 10 seasons, or excuse me, 10, se- 10 years and 11 seasons, I think, uh, Coach Q has been fired by the Chicago Blackhawks. 15 games into the season. Um, why don't you go ahead and uh, ha- ha- tell, me, tell me how you feel about this, Aiden. I'm a little bothered by it, especially because I, like we were talking about the other day that he was, Q was pretty much handed 
a shit roster. Like, he was basically handed, given shit to try to turn into gold, which, mm-hmm. obviously, it's physically impossible. Yeah. So, I would place most of the blame on Bowman. And, like, I commented on your Facebook post the other day. I'm just going to read... I'm just going to read exactly what I said verbatim. That I had a realization. This was a day after Q was fired. After the announcement and all that. So, I said that Stambo probably bought himself another year after this season by firing Q. Because Colleton is obviously going to have growing pains for the season. Especially if he's going to be implementing a new system. Mm -hmm. So... If the team continues to play as poorly as they have been, it's going to be expected at this point because you don't have a great roster and you have a coach that just took over in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Or not even middle, very early into the season. Granted, you have, what was it, the Blue, the Predators or the Blues that fired their coach and made the playoffs a few seasons ago? Was it the Blues? Um, or was it the uh, Wild? It was uh, the Wild. The Wild definitely did that. The Blues. Um, I think they fired Hitchcock last season. They hired Mike Yo. They missed the playoffs by like one game or something. Mm. Um, uh, the Wild. It was a couple of years ago. I can't remember. Who yeah, it was, it was a couple of years ago. But yeah. So, anyways, the Penguins did that too. That's who it was. The Penguins. But, um, so, I figure if the team just continues to play poorly, whatever, like, it's basically a lost season at this point if it, they just continue to not play well. So, essentially, next season would probably be the final leash for Stan Bowman. Okay. I can, I can definitely see it painting out that way. Um, I, so, I, I think if the Hawks miss the playoffs this year... I don't think Colleton is going to face any repercussions. Um, you know, he's a first-year coach. Uh, I think they're... Like, a worst-case scenario is that they're going to say, like, his... Uh, well, I guess worst-case scenario is, like, uh, Crawford is... Uh, he, he has another concussion, and, uh, like, maybe we're plagued with injuries, and I don't know. But, like, I could, I could totally see a, a scenario playing out where the Hawks miss the playoffs... Um, and, uh, Collison gets a pass because he's, he's, uh, new to coaching in the NHL. He's new to this team. Um, but eventually when it becomes clear that it's going to be very, very difficult, if not impossible for any coach, uh, to, you know, ring a, a playoff team out of this roster, then the, the fingers are going to start being pointed higher up the chain over to uh, Stan Bowman. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe if, maybe if the Hawks are really bad, if we are like, like 10, 15, 20 points behind, uh, if we're like number seven in the division again, and we're like 10, 15, 20 points behind number six, like we were last season, then maybe the finger gets pointed at Bowman right away. If we're, like, in the mix, you know, if... Because uh, if you look at the rest of the division last season, it was pretty close. It was, like, between number three and number six, there were maybe, like, like eight or ten points. I- I'd have to look it up to recall, but it-, it was pretty close. I think everyone was around, like, that 90 to 95 point range, except for us. We were down at, like, 78. Um, 
if that's the case, then I could see Bowman getting uh, another season before uh, he has to face any serious repercussions here. Uh, so what really bothers me about this this Q situation, obviously, Q is the he's won more games as a coach than anyone else in NHL history who's not named Scotty Bowman. He's got three cups. He's got five uh, conference final appearances with this team. It's uh, He's also the longest tenured coach in uh, Blackhawks history. Or, or excuse me, he was, he's the longest tenured coach uh, in the league at the time. Um, even Scotty Bowman never stayed with a team longer than nine seasons. Personally, I... And I mean, this is no disrespect to Q. I am open to a uh, a change in coaching staff. I'm open to uh, see what Jeremy Colleton brings to the table. Uh, because I, I, and I said it in previous episodes that he was clearly being groomed to be the next coach of the Blackhawks. I don't think anyone predicted it would happen this soon. But... What does bother me is the way that Q was fired. If they, if they, you know, maybe he gets fired in the off season and they present it as like a mutual parting of ways, then I think that's, that leaves him with a little bit more dignity. Uh, when, when John McDonough says in April of this year that he has complete faith in uh, Quinville and Bowman to bring this team back to where it was, and then 15 games into the regular season, Q gets the axe after, you know, they had a, they had a great start, and then they had a five-game slide. Q gets the axe. Uh, Bowman faces zero repercussions for what I think a lot of Chicago Blackhawks fans would argue. I think you can make a strong argument that he is more responsible for the uh, uh, the downturn in this team than Q has been. I think he's had more misses lately than hits. It it just bothers me that that Q didn't get that that respectful dismissal, and that Bowman has faced zero repercussions so far. At least as far as we know. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe John McDonough took him over his knee and slapped his bare ass. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so look, I just pulled up the standings last year, but yeah, you're right. It was nine points separated, third from set for third from what Six? sixth in the nine Western points. Conference. Yeah, Central in, Division. That's just the Central Division. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nine points. Nine points. That's like it's so it's so tight. It's it's so hard to get into a playoff spot in this division unless you're uh, unless you're Nashville or Winnipeg and you're just you know a beast who's built for uh, just trouncing the teams around you. <clears throat> and I think that's also one of the things that is currently an issue with the Blackhawks too. It's just the the game that they developed and evolved. Like all the team, most of the teams have caught up and surpassed them. Is what it is. Yeah. So they need to either find new ways to innovate or find a way to catch up to the rest of the pack again. Yeah, um, I think that's a great point. The uh, 
the Blackhawks really were innovators like 10 years ago. Um, even though back in uh, 2004, I think it was ESPN labeled them as the worst run uh, franchise in professional sports. They, um, they were the they were the first NHL team to, or they were among the first rather. I don't I don't know if this if they were actually the first, but they were the, uh, among the first NHL teams to, like, put their players up in five star hotel rooms and uh, things like that. They. They went from during the the Bill Wirtz era to like giving these guys like just uh, generic Adidas bags for their stuff, uh, making the guys like fly like United or whatever, and dealing with the TSA and all that nonsense, uh, making them book their ho- their own hotel rooms. They like they now have like a private charter flight. They uh, they put them up in five star hotels like the Ritz Carlton. They. Uh, they give them like all this custom Blackhawk swag. Like Rocky Wirtz really had no reservations about spending his money uh, when he took over the job. Uh, but like both that and like on the ice, they made huge innovations too. They, um, when like when the game was very much about like like zone entries, uh, Q came along and he innovated this. Uh, the system of like finesse and uh, like stick handling became a big thing and like uh, you, you remember that that video of Patrick Kane stick handling around all the pucks and the mm-hmm. ice and then he hits the camera uh, like that kind of thing was it was much less common uh, before the the Blackhawks dynasty began um, so yeah they were they were innovators and uh, people people found ways around it uh, so now. We're going to have to innovate again if we want to get back on top. I think a, I think a big problem that Q had was, um, uh, again, I no disrespect to Q, but I think he was maybe a little stubborn with his system. He was maybe a little antiquated. He was doing things that worked five, ten years ago, and people have figured out since then. Other teams know how to maneuver Q's system like uh, for example, a lot of teams now are playing man-on-man defense, whereas Q was more of a zone defense guy, and I guess a lot of defensemen that would come into our system would have trouble adapting to that. Um, and Q's kind of notorious for uh, the short leash that he gives to players, especially when they make uh, defensive lapses, because he's very much about defensive responsibility. Yeah. Actually, that leads to like a perfect chance for us to transition to Jeremy Colleton because there's a tweet that I, that I pulled up that I saw on the Hawk subreddit earlier talking about how like one of the different things with the coaching style of Colleton versus what Q was. Q, like, which I found really interesting and it made sense too, was that he didn't really play his rookies much, and if they were making mistakes, they'd find themselves on the bench rather early in the games, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't really play. So, to quote Jeremy Colleton on on his message to younger players, said, it's okay to make a mistake. We can live with that. And you know what? One might end up in the back of the net, but what we need to build here is if you play with the right intentions and you work hard for the team and you play for the team, then you get some rope. Of course, you've got to perform, but we want them to play free. We want them to play with joy. Then it's easier to be a good player. 
And now I definitely think that that's one of the things that with Q it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. take Nick Schmaltz for example. Like his confidence has been pretty bad. So like he's one of those guys that I want to see like under playing under Colleton. Like if he can get his confidence back because yeah, Schmaltz has potential to be a top like a top two center for the team and like belong mm-hmm. there. For sure. So. Like, I'm interested to see, like, what kind of leash Colleton gives the young guys and even the veterans. Yeah. Um, uh, everything I've read about Colleton so far indicates that he's, um, he's, he's definitely not an old school guy. Um, the older coaches, they tend to be, they tend to be more against analytics and, uh, they tend to be very, uh, I don't know, you know, they're a little bit more like Q. Like, uh, uh, Q, he, he kind of got a reputation for being hard on uh, young players and not liking young players. It's not necessarily true. He's, he doesn't like bad players is the thing. And it's, if you're a young, not so great player under Q, it's really hard to become a young, good player under Q because, you know, you make a, like a costly turnover then you could be sitting out the rest of the period, if not the rest of the game. Um, but Colleton, he's he's notorious for uh, being a good communicator and really sitting down with guys and saying, this is what I want to see. I want you to do more of this. I want you to do less of this. Uh, I'm scratching you, and here's why. Uh, whereas Q, I guess, he would, he would largely leave those conversations up to his assistants. Um, so I think this is, this is going to be really good. He's a players' uh, coach, essentially, Colleton. Well, Q was a players' coach too, but he's he's definitely he's definitely more old school. I guess Q. I don't want to say that he was against the analytics or anything like that, but Jeremy is uh, Jeremy Colleton. He's very open to that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the older coaches they're they're more like uh, like what's a computer know about hockey? You know, people know about hockey. You know, a computer doesn't. It can't. Uh, you know, make decisions like that based on like numbers. It's, uh, but you know, Colton's more along the, he, he's, he embraces the spirit of saying like, well, there, the analytics point out, like maybe they'll point out this thing that like we hadn't noticed yet. It would have taken us another two or three games to see this, or maybe we have a suspicion and the analytics back that up. Um, or, you know, just like, just it, they they point out things that uh like could be improved upon um and he's a little bit more open to that stuff uh, yeah so i'm i'm genuinely curious to see how good Carlton ends up being he's uh he's got a short career so far as a head coach but he's been very successful up to this point he coached he started coaching um in Sweden at the age of 29 he coached for I think three or four years and uh he like uh that that town in Sweden they like love him now because he he took a shoestring budget and he turned this this uh, awful team into uh like a really talented group of hockey players um and then uh with the Ice Hogs he uh they were like a borderline playoff team when he arrived and he he turned them into uh, a, a pretty dominant team once they got to the playoffs. 
Now, I will say, granted, the Hawks loaded up that roster uh, like in January. They sent Cody Franzen down there. Uh, they, uh, I'm spacing on the other players' names now, but they, there were... There were a bunch of players that they added to the roster in like January and February to help him out. And then the Hawks were going to miss the playoffs. So they got a couple of uh, uh, the Ice Hogs got a couple of the Black Aces from um, uh, from the Black Hawks. I don't know if you call them Black Aces if they're going down the chain instead of up. But like um, uh, Victor Aidzel and uh, Dylan Sakura, uh, guys like that, uh, they wound up being a big part of that uh, that playoff run. Now, one of the things, too, like, I, they touched up on during the Calgary games. I, I was watching part of it. Mm-hmm. Or not the Calgary games. The um, game against Carolina. Yeah. Talking about Colleton a little bit, that he played in the NHL briefly before an injury. Mm, 57 career, games so. or something. So, okay. So, like, yeah, the guy has somewhat, like, he does have a hockey background. So, mm-hmm. he knows what he's doing. So, I, I think for Colleton, I think the window for him before they... Like, I think they're going to give him about four or five years. You think so? That long? I, I think so. Hmm. I mean, I guess... If if they're still towing the line of, uh, we can make the playoffs, we can compete, you know, like, that stuff. If they do that for four or five years, I don't see him lasting. Um, but if if this season ends up a lot like last season, where we missed the playoffs... The dog is scratching at the door. <laughs> um, if this season ends up like last season and we miss the playoffs, he'll get a pass because he's new. Um, if next season, like, we're going for it again uh, and we miss the playoffs again, I think he'll get a pass and Bowman will probably be in the hot seat. If it happens again and we're still in win-now mode, then I don't, I don't think he'd get a pass if if but if it does happen again and you know if it gets to like that two or three year point and eventually McDonough and Rocky say we're we're gonna tear it down uh, because we we've tried to wring another championship out of this roster and it's just not working then I could definitely see him staying much longer and surviving a uh, uh, a much longer playoff drought. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like, I personally now at this point, I, I, I possibly think that it might be the end of any Stanley Cup runs with this current group. Quite possibly. Like, yeah. Like, I think it, the sun is setting on, on the roster. Um, I, I'm inclined to agree. I think there's a much better chance that we don't win any... That uh, Taves and Kane and Keith don't win any more Cups with the Hawks than it is that they do. Um, I think if if we made... If we made some smart moves and if everyone's playing to their potential and if Colleton pans out to be a talented coach uh, and he doesn't like... If like we get to the playoffs and he doesn't flame out, then I could see one more cup happening. I could see like a one maybe two season window, or another cup could happen. But it would have to be like maybe two years from now. Like maybe two years from now, uh, Yoki Haru has grown into his uh, into his shoes. 
maybe uh, uh, maybe Boquist, uh, Bodan, uh, Ian Mitchell. Maybe these guys are all in the league. Maybe uh, Gustafson has cleaned up cleaned up his game even more. Maybe uh, Gustav Forsling is uh, like a legit NHL player at that point. Maybe we've got a couple more offensive-minded guys. Maybe Schmaltz has become that 55 to 60% face-off guy like Taves, and he's our new top-line center. Maybe uh, maybe Debrinkit is scoring 35 goals a season. Um, Sakura comes up and starts tearing up the league, too. Yeah, maybe maybe Sakura, uh, Sakura comes up and he's, you know, he's scoring 20, 25 goals on the third line. Uh Maybe, maybe we, I don't know, maybe Crow's got a new contract and he's, uh, he's cheaper than he was before. I, I don't know. Um, maybe the salary cap has gone up fairly substantially and we can afford, uh, and, you know, more guys and uh, Seabrook is not as much of an albatross as he was before. Uh, I can maybe see it happening, but it's still a huge stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I think that the next cup is probably 10 years away. That's pretty far out. Uh, we might see another Sox championship before <laughs> the next Hawks one. Yeah. Maybe even a Bears championship. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? We'll, we'll see how Trubisky pans out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe 10 years is a little far out. Maybe, uh, eh, maybe it's not. It's been 10 years since the Red Wings won a cup. Mm-hmm. And they're still bad. Well, to be yeah. fair, they were stuck in mediocrity for years after that. And then they decided to tear it down. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of in the same situation that we're going to be in a couple of years, which is that they've got... Like, Zetterberg was forced to retire. Uh, uh, they've got a couple of other guys who are just old and on big contracts and the, the young guys aren't quite there yet. Um, so we're going to have veterans past their prime with young guys not even in their prime with nobody in their prime essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because, I don't know, like I was saying before, maybe there's a chance that like the the decline for our old guys is slow enough and the the... the uh, the ascension of the younger guys is quick enough that there's like this narrow window of like a season or two where we can maybe go for one more cup. But uh, I do think it'll be it'll be a ways out. I think we're probably gonna have to hit rock bottom first, mm-hmm. and then draft another generational talent. Yeah, I mean this season is shaping up to potentially be that rock bottom season. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't think we'll hit rock bottom this season. And I think that we'll do better than we did last season. I don't think we're going to get the seventh pick. Yeah, the seventh pick again. I think it will be double-digit picks, but we'll see. Um, uh, I got a couple more things here, but uh, I think we can probably uh, we can probably wrap it up right there. Uh, so thanks you guys for joining us for another episode of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. We will be doing this every two weeks. I'll, I'll maybe think about transitioning to uh, like a weekly schedule somehow. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I am on Twitter. You can tweet at me. I'm at Luke Stanberry, one R. Uh, 
you can tweet at the podcast. It's at SweaterPod. Um, you can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. We're on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast. Um, uh, basically anywhere you get your podcast from. Um, yeah, so uh, that's all we got. Bye. Bye.